This is the Teachable Soul Podcast. Because we cannot possibly live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves, let's take a few moments to learn from the mistakes of others. The Teachable Soul Podcast, where guests and listeners like you share stories of failure and teachable moments on the journey to success. Here's your host, Kat Daniels. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to this right now. It will help me know that I am helping and need to keep going. Please also follow along on social media. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Teachable Soul or Facebook and LinkedIn. You can just search The Teachable Soul. If you'd like to be a guest on our show and share your own teachable moment, feel free to go to the website to schedule a time that works for you. Or you can also email me at theteachablesoul at gmail.com. Thanks. All right. Well, welcome to the Teachable Soul podcast. I am Kat Daniels, your host, and today I will be interviewing Michael Sobkew. He is a 42-year-old single father to an amazing 17-year-old son, an ex-construction manager turned online fitness coach, podcast founder, and host of the Fit Fun Father podcast. He is soon to be a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach. He battled weight loss for years and has spent the last four years educating, practicing, and living a healthy lifestyle, which has transformed his relationships and general outlook on life. So welcome, Michael, and thank you again for meeting with me today. Well, thank you for having me. That's oh, fabulous. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> so, um, one, I, you know, when we were introduced, um, I had originally said that we wanted to talk a little bit about um, kind of your relationships, sure, or, or history in there, um, and see, you know, kind of what learn from you today. Um, so. I know, you know, right now you're a single father and um, you had mentioned to me before that you um, actually got a divorce from your, your first wife. I don't know how many relationships or or wives you've had, but. um, I'm on my 10th. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm I'm only, I'm only joking. (laughs) I've only had to go through the misery once um, Mm. to really understand um, a lot of the things, mistakes I made and, some of the reasons why and kind of where I'm at now and hopefully not make those mistakes again. Right. Yeah. As we all hope, but you know, life happens. So that's yeah, exactly. Like the cold weather. Exactly. Comes, but then it goes. (laughs) Yes, it does. Thank goodness. Um, so you, uh, were married before and do you want to tell us, um, kind of how you met your wife and, and how you guys, you know, got married to begin with? Yeah, sure. So um, I would have been about 22 years old at the time, so I was fairly young. Um, I actually met my ex-wife in a uh, drug uh, rehab facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, funny story. So when I was young, I, I battled with uh, some addiction issues, um, messing around with with uh, with drugs and, and just being a bit of a bad kid. And got to a realization that if, if I hadn't, you know, wasn't going to stop what I was doing, that uh, life was going to be pretty difficult on me. So mm-hmm. I, I went in, I did a, uh, I, it wasn't um, mandatory that I stayed, but I, I did a, a couple days a week where I would go in, um, take in some, uh, what they would say like Narcotics Anonymous meetings are similar to AA. Right. Kind of be around other uh, addicts and kind of just really trying to absorb, trying to get out of that situation. And I actually met her there. Um, We were both 
sober for uh, probably a good year, um, just going back and forth. And we actually together put on um, these welcome seminars to new people coming in. So we were very engaged with uh, helping others at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had met, uh, we were really just friends for quite a while. Right. Um, and uh, going through this, we we had a moment where uh, we, uh, there was a connection there, um, whether we both needed it or not. And next thing you know, she's pregnant. Mm. And we had somewhat of a, you know, a, I don't want to, and I never impose or blame on 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 the parents, but we had right. a lot of pressure from our parents to like, hey, you're young, you're mm-hmm. you're you have this baby on the way, and now you've got to get married. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, often, I think. Yeah, yeah it does, and mm-hmm. I think, and I think it really comes down to a lot of like the way that you know our parents were raised, and the the, the some of the things that they had taught me, and you know, make sure that you take care of your family. You know, yeah. all of these big keywords like look after, um, mm-hmm. support, those things. Mm-hmm. So for me, getting married just seemed like a formality to kind of man up as you would, you know, for me, that's what I thought. Like manning up was the way to do it. Get married, take care of this child and mm-hmm. kind of just go through life for them. That's, this, this is your purpose now. Right. Um, and we spent, 13 years together uh, in a marriage it really should never have have happened mm-hmm. um, and you could kind of see the uh, you know as we kind of went went along we, we got along for a little for a couple of years probably four or five years and then it really started we started to kind of distance ourselves um, and then it it really got um, into a really bad position up mm-hmm. until up, up until our separation, I can go more into, into that aspect of it as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, please but, do. Yeah. So meeting her. Yeah. We went through that. It was just basically, you know, really a one night thing event that turned into a 15 year <laughs> adventure. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, super grateful that I have such an amazing, uh, son and, uh, and whatnot. So throughout the marriage, kind of a lot of the things that, that of course, that I had believed in that anything that I wanted to do for me um, was kind of put to the side. And I, and I took that, um, you know, as the end all be all. And I spent a lot of years um, just existing, working long hours. I had a job in construction that I was starting to kind of climb the ladder and move out of um, the worker position and more into supervision. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was more money involved. There's more hours Mm. and it was always about paying the mortgage and the bills. Right. Um, But the relationship I had with my ex-wife really kind of ceased to exist. She did her thing. I did my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We had zero sex life. Um, Mm. We, you know, tried our best to co-parent and a lot of times had different ideas on, on parenting and, how things should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to notice myself just gain more weight and more weight and really get to a very un- unhealthy place. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a tall individual, I'm only five foot six and I got up to about 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. you know, yeah. And, and it was horrible. You know, I was on medications for, for like, um, 
blood pressure probably. Yeah, acid reflux, and I was in the doctors constantly, and even in the dentist because I ate a lot of candy, and there's mm. a lot of a lot of side effects that came with it. Lethargic all the time, no energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mood was often. I would often snap, you know, for the, the slightest things like taking out the trash or why the dishes were piling up in the sink. Really, th- things that are irrelevant that we shouldn't really spend a whole lot of time putting all this negative energy into. But right. I was so deeply unhappy and unsatisfied and not really understanding why. I just really felt like, Jesus, this is what marriage life is about. Like, is this like what we're supposed to do? Like, Okay, I'm doing my part. Mm-hmm. We would, we would kind of try and mask that by, you know, taking vacations and going. You know, we went to Mexico or we'd go to Las Vegas, and then we would just be arguing in a different mm. part, part of the country, right. uh, <laughs> which you know you you thought would help, but it really didn't because the the, the 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 part that was missing was the connection and the relationship. Right. Um, and no matter what we tried, it just, we continually gradually got further and further apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say that, and, and so, I mean, I know that you're divorced now, but um, was, was your weight and, and issues like that contributing to the issues within your relationship with her? Yeah, it was. Um, directly and indirectly. So, you know, I, I wasn't concerned. I was in this mindset again where, you know, I wasn't so concerned about how I felt or looked as more as like, um, how can I um, take care of the family? And I guess where it really kind of started to affect things again was we already have this um, disconnect at a intimate stage. Well, it pulled that even further apart. Mm-hmm. And it actually created this... Um, um, resentment I think on her part where you know now I'm really like this gross slob of an individual in her mind mm-hmm. and as we kind of got near the end you know those are things that she was verbally um, telling me you know like she would say like there's no way I'm sleeping with you because you look at you you're, you're just, yeah so um, we spent the last five years of the marriage sleeping in separate beds Mm. Mm -hmm. which was for for somebody who just to pull into like 2020 um i'm a very passionate like feely huggy Mm -hmm. like a big bear like yeah very physical like my you know my love language number one is is touch and Mm -hmm. number two is definitely quality time yeah, Those two cool. things have to happen for me to kind of be in my zone. And I got, yeah. I got neither of them. Right. And then I got this like, look at you, you're overweight. What have you done to yourself? Mm. And it sent this mixed message all, all of a sudden too, because I, I started to think like, well, I'm just, I'm providing like who, who cares what I look like? Right. You know, and it was, it was, I was so disconnected from myself um, that it wasn't until later, in, in fact, until we separated and I moved out, um, that I really, and about a year, closer to a year after the separation, where I really started to kind of come to and realize, like, 
this is your life and you need to do things. You need to ensure you are 100% happy and satisfied before you can go out and provide for, for others and, and mm-hmm. do, do the things that you want to do. Um, very difficult at the end. Um, and, it, you know, even to today, we, we kind of, um, near the end, there was some drug addiction, drug addiction issues on her end that had kind of relapsed mm. um, and made, of course, the, the marriage more complicated and, the, the, and the divorce extremely complicated. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, when you support and take care of somebody who has had their cake and has been able to eat it too, um, and you suddenly pull the, the, the carpet underneath, um, the, the, the lashback's quite difficult. And, and I was quite confused at the same point um, because you have this, you have this relationship that's been poor for so many years. You're in your brain and your heart, you're dying to get out of it. You're dying to do something that's going to give you some enjoyment, whatever that may be. And you have this other person who's been able to be comfortable living in this environment Mm -hmm. who somewhat kind of feeds off of that. whatever that was that that way of of living or you know that way that I perceive myself and you you know it was almost it wasn't a concern that I was overweight but it was like but you're not going to get sex out of the deal or you're you you know and then she perpetuated some of that and then I would you know distance she'd want to go out and I would distance myself so we were both like literally pulling the rope at both ends in the opposite direction so you know of course I think it it would be fair to say that in the beginning I blamed her for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. As time goes on and you realize um, that you have to own a lot of that your, yourself, right? And face those things and really understand, you know, the the things that I did incorrectly or the the way that I approached the marriage right from the get go. It was a hard pill to swallow. It was like you know yeah. you. You know, in one aspect, I looked at like, well, this is what I thought because we were so young. This is what I thought uh, a marriage was supposed to be like, not really knowing and just kind of getting caught up in all that. And then when it, when you, when you go back uh, in retrospect and look and say, Hey, oh my goodness. Like I didn't, I didn't give her the time of day for most of it. I, instead of spending the weekend with, um, her or my son, I would just pick work instead, or I would, you know, I would always avoid um, the relationship. And that was, that was, that was detrimental. Yeah. And so I want to go back to, to something that you said, because so I, I um, have been married for, it'll be 11 years in March. Um, and this is something actually that my husband and I have struggled with, because you know, one of his points to me has always been, but I'm providing for you. Mm. You know, and that's something that you said was that, you know, who cares what you look like because you're providing. Yeah. But, you know, something I've had to explain to my husband is I can go out and provide for myself. Like if you're providing something that I can actually do for myself, then that's like I need more from you than what I can do for myself. I need something from you that I can't do for myself. Yeah. That's, you know, the physical touch and the quality time and the the, the having a life together that we can be proud of, you know, and it's 
also the together part, you know, that I've had to explain to him as well. So, um, yeah, him figuring that out, which he has now, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, uh, a struggle for him because I think a lot of men are, there's a, so much pressure on you guys to provide and to be the provider. And especially coming from parents who came from a generation where that was the sole purpose of a male in a relationship was to provide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and, and my parents, you know, they, they did a fantastic, fantastic job of raising me mm -hmm. and, and, you know, their ideas and, and they were very set on, you know, we can even go into the, the career aspect. You know, my, my dad was in the same kind of line of work. He did that for, you know, 35 years or whatever. He kind of changed jobs a little bit once, once in a while. My mom, on the other hand, was a nurse, you mm -hmm. know, 45 years. You, you, you gravitate to one career. You stay there. You, you know, if, if it sucks too bad, you're making money. You're providing income. Mm -hmm. And, um, excuse me, and then that's just it and you retire. And so, you know, I always went into it like, okay, you know, this is, it's almost like a prison sentence, you know, like, well, okay, right. I'm going to do this for 30 years or, or, exactly. uh, my son Blake will be 18 and then we'll, we'll figure it out there. And I think a lot of the time we stop, um, looking in the mirror and stop to think about what it, what it is that we want with our own lives. Um, because ultimately if I can't have my own fulfillment, my own joy and understand my own purpose, um, I can't do anything for anyone else. Right. You know? exactly. And, and I had to really learn in all aspects of my life, my entire, as I, I like to call my life, like a, you know, a pie, you've got little pieces of the pie. You've got in one corner, you've got relationships. Mm -hmm. The other, the other, you have health, you have, you know, finances, career relationships, mm -hmm. um, you know, and hobbies, things that interest you. Mm -hmm. And all of that, you know, when things are clicking, you know, you'd think the, the entire, you know, pie is a whole bit is working. Mm -hmm. um, mine was completely destroyed on all fronts. And I had to kind of, and I'm still to this day, really building up and understanding what it is that's going to fulfill me, mm -hmm. um, which goes far beyond money, um, a structure of a particular job or whatever that may be it's really come down to like um, almost completely opposite. Like I am doing what I want to do with my life, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I left my construction job in September. Um, I had actually got laid off in July because things in my industry, they go slow. You get, you get slow mm -hmm. times, you get busy times. Mm -hmm. And I just decided I wasn't going to go back. And, right. people thought, and people thought I was nuts. Like, what are you going to do for a living? And I'm like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And uh, I just decided to go back to school, you know, at 41, I think, um, you know, to kind of just jump ahead a little bit. Mm -hmm. My son lives with me full time. He doesn't mm -hmm. see his mom very often. There's there's still a lot of uh, pieces that she's trying to pick up herself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I want to set a good example for my son to show him um, through the adversity I had to go through and the confusion he had to feel not understanding why his mother and his father were separating and he gets it now. Um, but that was a very difficult process as well, especially when he wasn't living with me and 
Mm. You know, I would see him maybe once a month, twice a month. Um, and it was heartbreaking because you, you go from like, you know, you, you, you talk about, you know, guys have this, like, we have to provide and there's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do, we take that with like, that's like the biggest thing. Like, that's like our things. Like we're going to look after the, the, the family, like we're the head of the family. And then you go to, you know, for me, it was, you know, sleeping in the basement at my sister's house and I had none of that. And then I still hadn't figured out my purpose. I had, it was still overweight. I was, um, you know, yearning for somebody to love me. And I know that sounds kind of messed up, but it was, it was, I had convinced myself that there was nobody out there that was ever going to feel love for me or going to want to date me or want to be around me. And Mm -hmm. you, you create that inner conversation with yourself. It can, it can do a lot of bad things. You know, you, you thank, thankfully I didn't dip or slide or, or go back to, you know, the person I was in my early twenties when I was kind of partying and getting and being a little rowdy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just did it with food, I think at the end of the day. And, and, um, um, it, it took a while for me to really understand that I needed to kind of get in shape and get a little more healthy first and right. then try and go from there. And that was really where the, where I lit the fuse and, um, the rest is, is absolutely history. So, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm glad that you were able to, to pull yourself out of that. I hope that you still don't feel that way. I would assume not correct. No, I know I'm a completely different individual now than I was four five years ago. So, and I mean, on, on most fronts, I'm still financially dealing with some of the issues from divorce as a lot of us do. It takes about 10 years, I think, to get out of that yeah. makes sense, depending on, I guess, how bad, it, you know, that split is. But for me, it was, it was detrimental on the financial right. end of things. But to me, that's, that's one of the least important things. Um, <laughs> that I uh, worry about when I know a lot of people, that's like the first thing is like, well, what about the money? What about my stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You can replace all that stuff and you can continue to make money. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like start to work on yourself first. And and once you have that figured out um, and you can, you'll start to, the opportunities that open up when you, when you put yourself in that mindset, um, Mm -hmm. They come and I tell people that all the time. I go back to podcasting, you know, you know, you and I, we host our own shows. We're, we're constantly looking to improve, put out more content, uh, get guests on. And I always say, just, just ask people and just engage and network and, um, get something from it and just go with it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's super important. Yeah, there's so much opportunity to make money out there. It's ridiculous. I think that's why like being an entrepreneur, you know, these days is is such a a, a thing now because there's just so much opportunity. And and it's so funny to me how often the words I'll figure it out lead to such great things. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Have no plan whatsoever yet, but as long as you're as long as you have the the mindset to be like, well, I'm going to figure something out. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll figure something out. Then, you know, I think you can really achieve a lot, you know. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you, you have to really, and I always say, I don't shy away from opportunity. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that too is, is, you know, there was a day where you couldn't get me to get off the couch uh, and not look at the TV or you couldn't get me to do anything that I didn't have to go out of my way to do. Um, now it's like, you know, you know, you want to be on a podcast, you want to be a mod, you want to do this. Hey, I have this really great, uh, you know, for instance, I had a MMA conditioning coach on yesterday who we talked a little bit about, you know, keys to success. Cause him and I have aligned journeys of kind of where we want to go with our businesses. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey, this is what I did when I started. It was super successful. Um, if you do it, send it over to me. I have this great marketing girl and she's a graphic, she does graphic design. She's going to look at it and I'm going to give you some help. When somebody says that to me, that's like the flag that says you just, a big door just opened wide open and you need to run through it as fast as you possibly can. Absolutely. Where before I would have been like, yeah, sure. That's great. Nice. Whatever. Right. You know what I mean? And just really yeah. looking at what opportunities and where they come from. And sometimes they don't, they don't talk to you directly in the face. You kind of have to kind of understand what are those, what those cues are or what it is that are, is being presented to you, but take it and run with it. Yeah. What's the worst case that's going to happen? Like, right. You know, someone's going to say no, or someone's going to reject you. Like, yeah. Been there, done that. It's at the, at the highest level. Yeah, Um, exactly. And uh, that's that's something I try and you know I get I've gotten into the online fitness space. I uh, of course I'm in school, personal training, nutritional coaches, and it's a difficult business to get into when you know you have millions of people that are are uh, unhealthy or need to get into shape or Mm -hmm. need to kind of push the needle forward in their health, but they're still caught up on well. I'd rather put my money in, you know, a big screen TV or a case of beer than, Mm. you know, myself, or they don't see the value in that. And that's, that can be difficult at times, but when you do get somebody who, who comes along and and gets it, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's life changing. Yeah. I can, yeah, I completely agree. So, um, you, so you, it was after your divorce that you actually got into fitness. Is that right? Yeah, so I um I was living with my sister uh for about a year. We, you know, we would um which brought me a lot of comfort. My sister is my my rock. She's she's my biggest fan. I'm her biggest fan. Um she you know, she gave me that opportunity and we would hang out together, you know, a couple days of the week when when she wasn't working or whatnot and watch movies and do things and and I kind of wanted to I'd gone back to that mindset where um, you know, okay, I'm overweight. Okay. I've been alone now in my, in my sister's basement for nearly a year. Mm-hmm. I think it's time that I maybe dabble into dating mm-hmm. and, um, which, you know, I, I was, thankfully I took the stance on not doing that right out of the gate where a lot of people, they, you know, they're, they're a week out of a relationship and they're trying to date somebody. And I don't, you know, I, I think there, there needs to be that time of reflection and really kind of figure things out. But I truly believe that nobody, no woman would ever want to date me because of my weight. And I just, that was just through the talk of being in this toxic marriage. 
So I asked my sister, I said, hey, what do you think if we, we get some beach body videos and we'll clear the couch out of the way and we'll, we'll just do like half an hour, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, yeah, great idea. And like, we were nuts. Like, we put this video in and we we're, we're jumping and sweating and hurting ourselves and, mm-hmm. and not knowing what we're doing, not having a clue what we're doing. Just, we, we're just, we're just expending all this energy. Right. Um, and I started to see some results. Um, you know, the scale would drop a little, you know, I lost five pounds and I lost 10 and it kind of got in for me, it got infectious. And I don't know if it's that, that, you know, addictive personality or that ability mm. to like see these, these changes happening. And then your brain like, okay, if I lose 20 more pounds and maybe I'll get a date. It, it was like the weirdest thing to like, to be inside my head at that time. And, oh, you know, have you seen the, uh, I know this is completely off topic and, and no, and no means is my brain like this, but have you seen the, the show you on Netflix? Uh, I saw, I actually just recently saw two episodes of the second season. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm on the second season as well. I love that show by the way, but yeah. I love the narrative. Like I love how he, you know, justifies things in his head. You know, that conversation that he has with himself. Yeah. 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 I love that because I was very much, you know, not obviously towards, you know, um, the, the way he is this obsessive way, but just towards like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this, you know, just having that conversation with yourself yeah. and it, and it just, it snowballed. And next thing you know, I was, you know, getting a gym membership. I was going two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. And then it was eating healthier. Okay. I'm going to go Google. What should I eat? Uh, you know, there's a, and if you do that, you a million things pop up, you try mm. different things and, and it just kind of snowballed and it was a side thing. You know, I, I would go to work. People would be like, Hey, like, wow, you're looking really good. You're, you're, um, you're losing weight. You know, my pants don't fit. I had to go buy new clothes yeah. and it, it was infectious. And mm-hmm. I felt I had more confidence out of the get, uh, out of the gate. Like just, just I, my ability to go and have a conversation with somebody, um, was easier. I found, and I just started to like, Feely, feel really good about myself and then I was like okay it's time to start dating mm-hmm. um and that's kind of where it kind of went and then it was just it, it then it fell away from the dating part it wasn't the reason why I was doing it anymore it was really because I felt better I got out of bed I was energetic mm-hmm. I, I could get through the day without a nap or you know closing my eyes midway through and I just never experienced I was like how do like, where is all this energy coming from? Yeah. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, we, we kind of fast forward till now. I'm, it's, it's my entire life to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it centers me. It provides me, you know, to live a, a very stressless or as stressless life as I possibly can and not really worry about the very insignificant things that happen in life. Um, and, um, trying to make it a career and trying to really, you know, develop my own business. And then the podcast part of it was something that honestly manifested, I would say from a very early age where when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. um, people thought I would be a radio host. (laughs) Like people are like, you should be a radio host. You should do radio. 
And the funny thing was the last job I had in the construction industry, I used to give these um, um, safety meetings or these speeches to hundreds of people at a time. We get in this big tent and I'd grab the microphone. We had these massive speakers and there'd be 150 people in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I would just go off and do my thing. And people are like, does this not make you like nervous? I'm like, no, why would I be nervous? Like, I'm, I right. get to talk. Like, I would like relish the moment I can go and talk to people and have these long winded conversations. And some people would be like rolling their eyes. like, go, oh, when's he going to stop talking? <laughs> and, and I had this safety guy that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used to say to me, he says, Mike, you're, you're in the wrong business. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I heard that all before. And I was his boss at the time and I was making good money and would do my thing. And he's like, no, no, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to get into something where you can speak to people because that's kind of, that's your thing. Mm -hmm. And when I started um, kind of getting on my own and I had, I joined a mastermind group to try and learn the ins and outs of the online world and social media and, and how that whole thing works. And it's, it's crazy, but uh, I'm like, I got to do a podcast pod. Like I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for, for health and fitness. I listen to mind pump. I listen to these, uh, what's another one I, I really like. Um, I, I, I listen to a lot of fitness ones. So, uh, muscle intelligence, both Ben Bukalski and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So I, I listened to them and I was like, why can't I do one? Like what's stopping me from doing a podcast? Right. And I literally went out and I got a microphone and I, you know, I just winged it mm-hmm. and I started. That's great. And it was, yeah, it was, and it's fantastic. And, uh, and it, it's the best form of providing wow. people, you know, something relatable, you know, obviously mm-hmm. your viewer, your listeners, my listeners, you know, they can pick up on some of the things that we're talking about and, and yeah. relate or, or somebody's in this exact situation that I was in mm-hmm. right now. And they're listening to this going, oh, this is what I needed to just even get through one day. Right. And exactly. I think that is so valuable. Like they say, you know, you, you, you touch three people, you touch a million. And mm-hmm. w- what they say by that is, you know, we're all everyone now is generally connected to about a thousand people on social media. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if I touch you, your audience is a, you know, you it could be a lot larger, it could be a little bit smaller, but let's say a thousand and each one of those thousand touched their thousand three times over, you're at a million and exactly. it, it's so powerful. And I, and I just, I think more people need to do it. Um, yeah, I agree. I love podcasts because you can, I specifically love them because you can listen to them while you do other things. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, I hated reading. Um, but since finding like audiobooks and, and podcasts, I'm like all about it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very audio driven as well. I, I, I don't, I'm, I mean, right now I'm, I'm having to read because I'm in school and we have a lot of textbook stuff. Oh yeah. Um, which, uh, but I'm very audio driven. Like I'm the same way. Like I did all the Game of Thrones, um, big Game of Thrones fan. I wanted to get the books um, uh, as well as the shows. Like I wanted to kind of see the difference. So I did all the audio books for Game of Thrones. And then, you know, the podcast, like I listen to Joe Rogan, not so much, not as often as I want to, because his episodes are like three plus hours long. Right. Um, but, a little hard you know, to do sometimes. I got into 
uh, Mind Pump Media, which is a fantastic podcast centered around fitness. And these three individuals are out of uh, the Bay Area, so San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, yeah, they fueled a lot of my my passions for for a long time. I listened to uh, there are twelve hundred plus episodes. I think I've I've probably consumed three three hundred fifty episodes of their stuff. So mm-hmm. um, nice. a lot of educational stuff, a lot of really good stuff, and then you know doing it now myself and and loving every minute of it. Right. Yeah. So anyways, so back to, <laughs> yes. so back to, um, going, talking about, you know, your, your previous relationship, is there like a moment that you knew in the marriage that you were just, everything was crumbling and you were like, it, it just wasn't worth it anymore to you or anything like that? Yeah. Ooh, that's a great question. That's kind of, there's a moment that sticks out, um, that was, you know, when I had made the decision, I think for the most part, I really hung on till the bitter end. And I think I knew it was over. Um, there was a particular time I would, I'd been working a lot, a lot of hours. Yeah. I tell the story because it, it kind of was like, um, you know, I, I could, I'll go back. I'll just to give you a little insight in my personality. So I very, I'm very like, I used to smoke cigarettes when I was younger and before Blake was born, you know, we made this pact to quit. Mm -hmm. And I, um, you know, I sat in front of the TV with um, my PlayStation and I think I was playing Tiger Woods golf and I had three packs of cigarettes and I smoked one after the other until they were all gone and I got sick for two days and then I never smoked again. Right. Um, And I just never looked back. Um, I just quit and I was done. Mm-hmm. So I'd been working, I was, uh, you know, I was in this massive job. We were working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. I think I was five weeks in on this job and I was arguing. I got a phone call. My ex-wife was arguing about uh, something with me and got all nasty about, you know, oh, you don't love us anymore. Your son despises you and kind of throwing these things at me. And I was like, okay, well, here's another fight again. Um, and I may, I had this thought in my head. I'm like, Ooh, you know what? I need to, I need to protect myself a little bit because I think this is going South. So I, on the way home, I went and made a a stop to the bank to, uh, withdraw. I think it was going to take about $500 out and I was going to put it under kind of like under my pillow or in a shoe box. It was kind of like my emergency. This is when the, the thought process, like, Oh, you're going to need to get away. Yeah. Um, kind of started. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was making, uh, you know, I, it, I was, I was doing six figures. I was making really good money. I think I was pulling for $4,500 a week. So I was making really good money, like working. I mean, in relative terms to hours worked, I mean, right. I had no life. So at the end of the day, if I look back, I wasn't really making that lot. I was giving a lot of my time, but, mm-hmm. uh, I had, I was negative in the bank mm. and I went, Oh, and yeah, she was doing the same. <gasps> yeah. So, you know, there was probably 15, $20,000 missing and I got home and she was in the garage, um, in a lawn chair and she had started smoking and so she's smoking a cigarette and, and I pulled into the driveway and she stood up. And I walked over to her and I said, we're done. 
I'm packing my stuff and I'm leaving and I never want to see you again. I never went into the money much. I never went into this, this, why do I, you know, I didn't want to get into the fight. I just realized it was over. Yeah. Um, and I said, I would appreciate if I could spend, it was, you know, it was a Friday. I had called my boss. I'm like, I'm not going to work the weekend. I need to, you know, I'm going through some things. Mm -hmm. I asked her if she could go to her parents for the weekend and I could spend the time with, with my son. Mm -hmm. And, um, the Sunday had come, I had made the arrangements to move in with my sister. I had packed, uh, one TV, my clothes, a two seater couch, and my computer. So I'd taken maybe a truckload of stuff. And I, I was upstairs um, in our master bedroom. I walked into the bathroom. I was, I'd seen myself in the mirror and I just broke down in tears. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I looked back at myself and I'm like, you need to hold it together. You're, this is the start of something new for you. You know, you're, you can do this, you can get through this. And I had this like, for the first time, probably in a very long time, if, if not ever, mm-hmm. I had this conversation with myself that was like the sense of reason, like you're, you're going to be okay. This is a difficult thing to go through, but you have to trust that you've made the right decision. Yeah. And it's going to be better. And yeah, at the time it was probably the most difficult thing I ever done without kind of really realizing it until um you know you know time started to go forward and I started to kind of pick the pieces up but that would have been the moment where I really it was just that decision was just made it was like this the, the switch went off and you know this massive weight came off my shoulders um and I'll never forget my dad coming to help me kind of move. And my dad had gone through almost an exact experience when he was younger. Cause I have, uh, my mother is his second wife and, and my, myself and my sister are uh, children from that marriage. But I have um, three other siblings from his first wife. So half um, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. Yeah. And I felt his pain because he came and he's like, Oh, I'm, he's like, my son is going through what I went through. And it was super difficult, but, um, getting through that was, yeah, it was even right now talking about it. I could get, I could get emotional Yeah, because I can relive it. I can remember what I was wearing. I can remember where I was standing. I can remember the, 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 the lighting of the room. It's just right. amazing how some of those memories, they just stick with you to the, with the utmost detail. Right, like they're imprinted in your brain almost. <laughs> big, big time, right? And and, yeah. and I and I always go back to that uh, when I look, you know, where I've come in my life and be like, "Yep, that was definitely mm-hmm. a conversation that needed to happen," you know, yeah. with myself. Right. Um. So yeah, that that would be to answer your question. That would be the moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big moment. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah. But yeah. Pivotal, pivotal moment for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were able to come out the other side and, and definitely do better for both you and your son. And I hope that your, your ex-wife can figure out her things too. I think that we all have to go through those things um, 
you know, on our own, really, um, you know, some of those things just aren't things that even advice or, you know, learning from other people's lessons can do for you. So, yeah, I think in time, I know the conversation is different now, uh, even with her, um, where I think, um, life, you know, is, is, you know, the best word I can say is kind of beat her up long enough. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in her own decision-making, and, you know, I've always been that person where, you know, when I, if she contacts me for something or needs something or makes a promise to, you know, our son or does something, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get upset. I don't, um, I don't revert back to my old ways. I, I am very calm and, you know, try and work with her the best I can and, um, because I know that's the right thing to do. You know, I've yeah. never, I never once as, as difficult as it was to do, you know, played the good mom, bad mom against the father when it, when it came to our son, Mm-mm. you know, there were times when he would be with me and, you know, the text messages would roll in. She, um, I had him one day or for the weekend and the, the arrangement at the time was to drop him off at four o'clock on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And him and I were in the middle of a movie and it was about three thirty in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I said, I text her saying, I'll bring him home for five because we're just finishing a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she called the cops on me. Wow. So, you, you know, you, of course, police don't come because your son isn't, you know, is an hour late. That's, that's right. ridiculous. But that, that was the mindset. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I, dealt with those things as difficult as they were, but I also had that thought in the back of my mind, like you need to do what is right for you regardless mm-hmm. of the outcome. And, and I think um, that really came around full circle when that the opportunity, you know, two plus years later of being separated where, you know, it was time now for my son to live with me, which was a completely different very traumatic situation to have to go through. Well, I bet. Um, and I can, I can kind of elaborate on that a little bit is uh, I had, I had taken a job. So I've now separated multiple years. My son, I see him uh, on a weekend or when I would, you know, every second weekend or whatnot, when I could, he's living with his mom. I said, I took a job and I went, it was a travel job. So I had to get on an airplane uh, once a week, every Wednesday I got on an airplane Mm-hmm. Go up, fly up to work, uh, be there for eight days and fly home. And then I would be home for six days. So I worked an eight and six schedule. And during that six days, he would generally come over on occasion. Mm-hmm. But I had spent a lot of time. Now I was dating. I had more of a social life. So I had spent a lot of time. And I, I hate to say this. And any, any of anybody listening to this who's a dad or, or doesn't see their child a lot, um, you can get caught up in this is you start to formulate this new life and you you start to like try and push away the old life and include, and it includes your kids. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. not that I don't love, I didn't love my son or didn't want to spend time with him, but I was so engaged with new relationships and new experiences that I would sometimes slough a lot of that, those um, times with my son off. Right. Yeah. I think. And Yeah. And it's, um, it, it was, it was a balance for sure. And I think what happened is, 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 is I got a phone call 
from a, a social worker who had expressed concern with the living conditions that my son was in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, another eye opener that, oh, yes, okay, you know, his mom is not doing very well. Right. Um, realized he had missed about four months of school. He was in grade wow. nine. Um, and there was a, a, a very big push to have a custody switch that was forced, you know, on pushed on by, you know, the government. Right. And, and I had like, holy, like, you got to remember, I'm like, I'm working, I'm dating, I'm have this, this massive social life. And yeah. I have this, now I've had this realization, like, you've ignored, like, maybe have you ignored some of these telltale signs of like, what's yeah. happening with your son? And it's like, and I felt horrible. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, uh, I left that job. I left that travel job. I came home. I took another job that was closer to home. And uh, he came to live with me. Mm-hmm. And he went from nearly having to repeat grade nine to winning the most improved student award in a matter of four months. Oh, that's awesome. Just by changing his environment. Right, of course. And as a child, you know, that's to have that kind of stress has got to be extremely difficult. And yeah, to know that just changing the living environment changed the stress level mm-hmm. and allowed him to, you know, engage more in school and appreciate it and have structure. You know, I took him to school every morning or I had grandparents take him. We, we made it work. Yeah. Um, and now to look at him, he's in grade 11. He's, he's an honor student. He's got scholarship stuff. He's, yeah. he, he, and it's just like reflecting back going like, you know, this is what he needed. This is what I needed. Um, and, uh, completely, um, changed my whole, my look on things as well as a father and something mm-hmm. else that, you know, I always talk to, to people about or parents is, you know, you, you know, I have that, you can talk to your kids, you can instruct your kids, you can tell them to clean their room, but mm-hmm. the best form of communication that you'll ever give your child is leading by example and leading by action. Right. Your kids are watching you. Oh yeah. They know what you're doing and they, they are. And, and, and when you can sense or when they approach you and they say, you know, for instance, like right now, you know, I left this job, you know, I I had a savings account and I'm trying to wing it as in school and do my own business. So Mm -hmm. it's very, it can be very stressful because the income that I would make that I took for granted isn't there. I've got to hustle to get my money. Yeah. And um, you know, he would come to me and say, you know, I'm really proud of you, dad. Like, look what you're doing now. I have the ability to, to do that. So he's just watching me. He's right. not, you know, it's just, he's in, and, and it's so important. And I always go back to, you know, when I speak about health and fitness too, is, you know, if, if I'm sitting on the couch eating potato chips and drinking pop, watching football all day, every day, or how, or snapping because the garbage didn't get taken out or, you know, having these arguments for nothing, right? The kids, they pick up on it and it becomes their normal. Yeah. And it's just, it's like you, you can tell them to do their homework and clean their room. And most of the time they're not going to listen to you. I I try, I do it. I do it now. (laughs) Um, it doesn't work. No. Yeah. Um, what works is just 
leading by example. Yep. I, it's in, and people like if I want my son to clean my room, I walk by his room, I grab the vacuum cleaner. I always leave it in the corner of his room and Mm -hmm. I vacuum the living room Mm -hmm. and then I wipe down the counters and -hmm. then he comes out and he's like, Hey dad, I got a question for you. And I I just go, hold on a sec. I'm just, I'm finished cleaning because the house needs a little cleaning. Next thing I know, he's got the vacuum on in his room and he's doing the same thing. Ah, that's awesome. (laughs) I never asked him to clean his room, but the moment I asked, I'm like, Blake, you need to clean your room. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. I completely understand. I am. So I actually grew up um, with parents who were divorced and uh, they got divorced when I was like a year old, but their um, divorce was, I have had many people tell me like that I knew back then that it was the ugliest divorce that they had ever seen in their lives. And, um, and I, I would, as the, the child who went through it, I would have to agree. <laughs> um, I still haven't have yet to see a divorce that, that compares to that. Um, and so I am so adamant about, um, even if you're divorced, I mean, just divorced or married, it doesn't matter. Co-parenting in general, yeah, like the most important thing and doing it to where you can, you know, show respect for one another and, and be, I mean, you always try to be calm. Obviously, sometimes our emotions get away with us occasionally. But if you're ever in the presence of the kid, like you have to, to stay cool, calm, and collected as much as possible. So they're they're smart. Mm-hmm. Um, children are smart. They 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 they're gonna figure things out. And uh, and the the biggest example I can lead my son into is, you know, a couple things is, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself to figure to figure your life out. Right. Um, you know, do you be you hundred percent and don't worry about the actions of others. And, and that goes for his parents as well, because, and I, and I have mm-hmm. to kind of go down that direction because a lot of times, you know, that he doesn't see his mom as frequently as he should. And I think the, the mother son relationship is so important, mm-hmm. but I can't control that. Right. Of course. The only person in control of that is, uh, my son and her and more her to a degree because she's the adult and she can right she can make those things happen a lot easier exactly um and that and it doesn't and where does that lead in the future i have no idea what does that relationship look like um the only thing i can do is is when i have a conversation with her is just you know emphasize the importance of the time that she can spend with with her, her son and not, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I get, I see this a lot too is, you know, she doesn't see him for a month and then she gets this, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to buy him something really nice and then I'm going to take him for a nice dinner and then we're, I'm just going to spoil him. Right. And then I'd be like, but you can't afford to do that. Yeah. Well, I'll figure it out. I'm like, why don't you just hug him, tell him you right. love him. And sit and have a conversation for one hour. Right. And it's, it's like, well, yeah, I know, but I just, I'm sure he'd really like, mm-hmm. like he doesn't need, he doesn't want any of that. He just wants you to acknowledge him first and foremost. Right. Like I don't buy him all those things. Right. Like he, he knows the situations. He understands, you know, that in life, if, you know, 
per se, he's going to, um, he's, he wanted to go to Europe in March with the school. They're, they're going to Italy and it was just, it was super expensive. It was, you know, it had happened at the time that I left my job. I had, you know, I didn't have $4,000 to dish out for a trip. Right. He cut grass and did odds and ends for three months and made all that money to pay for that trip. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and he, so he gets, he understands the value of money and he understands that, you know, those things are important. He just went um, to school this morning. I took him to school this morning and they're doing this bike-a-thon in March and he took money out of his own wallet for donations. Oh, you know, like he gets it right to a degree. And, and um, it's, it's amazing to see, but yeah, his relationship with his mom needs to be, you know, more centered around, you know, mm-hmm. what he wants is that emotional connection, not, not materialistic things. Right. Of course. Yeah. I know as parents, we always want to, you know, give our, our kids things we never had or, or, you know, a better life in general. Um, so, I mean, I can understand how, especially if you don't provide a lot anyways, sometimes I think some of the guilt can get to you and you're like, okay, so I'm just going to provide everything at once. And you hope that that's the way it works. Yeah. But of course, you know, that's not always the way it works. So, Biggest advice I would say, and it, and it just comes from my own experience, um, is the best thing that I could ever give my son is the ability for him to understand that he doesn't need to figure it out at an early age. He oh, has absolutely. no pressure, no stress. Like we talk about careers and what he wants to do and, and it, it goes back and forth week by yeah. week. And I said to him, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. be you first and foremost like if you you know he's got the travel bug now travel do what you need to figure it out do what you need to do travel for a couple of years or don't travel or like you know just go get a job if it doesn't work out quit go get another job like just don't worry about it because your father who's 42 <laughs> is just it hasn't figured it out either yeah like, i absolutely. haven't figured it out and i'm a whole lot older and you know and i think it just takes a lot of pressure off of him because now he's like cool i can be me i'm going to do my thing i'm going to figure it out i mean there's always little rule or you know responsibility rules that i put with it too like right of course you can't just sit in your room and play video games all day you've got to you know put one foot in front of the other and try and you know make an effort and yeah he's he's doing it and it's and it's wonderful to see that he's got all these crazy ideas and all these things he he wants to do and it changes and it's wonderful to see because he's starting to like you know navigate to one thing or the other okay i need to get a job and then i'm going to save my money and i'm going to do this and then he creates these plans and it's like and and every time he comes to me for acknowledgement right because you know Mm -hmm. your kids also want you to to um, accept what they're doing. You know, they don't want you to be like, Hey dad, if I want to travel and build wells in Africa for a year, okay. You know, well, that's stupid. Like you need to get a job. No, go do it. Is that what you want to do? Like, go do it. That'd be awesome. Right. Right. And it's like, and it's almost that look he gives me like, really? Yeah. Like dad, I want to, I want to go downtown and paint pictures, uh, you know, for, and have people put quarters in a hat. Give her. Cool, man. Where yeah. can I buy the paint? Right. <laughs> like, like we have to, we have to let our kids come into their own and, and mm-hmm. 
and hopefully this generation does it where we as parents got to stop living vicariously through our kids and absolutely uh, yeah like just because i may want him to be a lawyer mm-hmm. you know not that i want him to be a lawyer actually but no right it's like <laughs> yeah. what what he doesn't want to do that so mm-hmm. You know, don't give him that ability to resent you later in life when he's a miserable lawyer because Mm -hmm. he thought that was the right thing to do. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so. Completely agree. Yeah, that's my brother and I talk about that all the time. It's like, and you can have, you can do so many things and try so many different things. And if it doesn't work out and you don't like it, it's really not that big of a deal. If you decide at the age of 39 or 40 or 50 or 70 that you want to start a whole new life and a new job, you're allowed to do that. And it's okay. (laughs) You know, I think we really get, we get, we kind of get stopped by all these, these barriers that we think affect us so much. Like, you know, you, Oh, you just bought a house and you have a mortgage and now you're stuck or you have a car payment or you, you know, you've racked the credit cards up or you're, you know, like myself, you've, you've paid, tens of thousands of lawyer fees and you're trying to figure that stuff is so irrelevant right in the big picture like because at the end of the day um you know when you get to your 70s 80s 90s if you if you have the ability to live that long Mm -hmm. you want to look back on your life and be like what a ride like that was that was fun you're not going to remember the bank account you had when you were 43 or exactly or, or how much money you did or didn't have at 58. Like, all you're going to remember, like, I can't tell you how much money I had five years ago in the back. I don't know. Like, right. it's the experiences that are going to give you that, that gratification and, and all that other stuff is irrelevant. Like, mm-hmm. the stuff, we just are so caught up in this, this living about having stuff. And it's important. That, like, I got to have... The, the my neighbor's got a Lexus, so I'm going to buy a BMW, and it's got a sunroof, and the seats right. they do like they move eight different ways. Yeah, <laughs> you're willing to work, uh huh, two, three, four extra hours a day. You're willing to take time away from your family because a seat can move a certain like it's right. so absolutely insane to me. It is, yeah, I agree. How we live like that, like I don't know how many people I've talked to in in my previous career where they because they come to me and they're like. Mike, you just left a six-figure job to what? Like talk in front of a microphone and try and teach clients how to eat better? Like, are you nuts? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you live? I'm like, what do you mean, how do I live? I have a small apartment and a small car and mm-hmm. I don't put my money into foolish things. And they're like, oh, I could never do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you could. You, you well, could actually, but okay. You could, but it's like right. people aren't looking at how they get there. They're just thinking, okay, if I quit my job, my mortgage is eighteen hundred. My car payments is like, oh, dude, do you need that massive house? Right. Well, well, just like ask yourself now. If you answer the question, yes, absolutely, my home is everything, mm-hmm. then that's more important than you know leaving a crappy job. Like right to you. Mm-hmm. So then that's fine. Then just stay in your job and do what you you continue doing. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. absolutely nothing wrong with that right but i i can't stand when people like i'm so miserable in my job like i I, if i have to come to work another day i don't know what i would do like this is well then change it right but you're gonna have to change other aspects of your life to get to that point yep and you're the only one with the power to do it that's it yep so 
either do it or don't. And that's fine. Like people who don't want to, who like to live in that comfort zone, as they like to say it, I don't even know what that mm-hmm. means anymore. Comfort zone. I don't think there is a comfort zone in life because I always <laughs> tell people like you can have the positives in the bank account and everything is going tickety boo. <laughs> and you decided instead of stopping at the red light, you kind of went through it. And next thing you know, you're in a hospital bed and everything that was ever anything to you means nothing Nothing, right? in a matter of a second. Mm-hmm. So if you can live your life understanding that that possibility is there mm-hmm. and you, and you live and you cherish every moment of every day for you and your happiness and what fulfills you, mm-hmm. then it's not as bad because I can tell you, you know, if, if I were, you know, to, you know, break both my legs tomorrow and I knew I couldn't go to the gym or work out or do the things that I could do, I understand in my brain mm-hmm. that the moment I'm fixed, I'm going to hop right back on that horse again. Right. Because it doesn't matter. Like I've already lost everything. Like, and maybe that's a superpower that I have mm-hmm. um, going through a traumatic divorce and going through those things. I always look at it like, you can't do anything more to me. Right. Like, what are you, like, what are you going to do? Like, it's like that, you know, that answer no, or, or asking, um, you know, people to come on as a guest or, or trying to, you know, get clients. I hear no all the time. No is part of my day to day. And it's just, I'm like, sure. No Mm -hmm. problem. I've had the ultimate no. So you can't beat that. Like it's, so as long as I have that thought process, it makes, it makes all those easier. It makes reaching out to people easier. It makes, you know, trying to grow a business easier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because- that's something that I am so passionate about because I think so many people don't, like, truly just don't understand. We could all be gone in an instant, and it only takes an instant. Yeah. And, I mean, I, t- I tell people all the time, I could get in a car wreck tomorrow and die. And none of the things, you know, like a house and a car and even the job would matter. What matters is, you know, what makes you happy and how you help others and what you do for others and your family and the time that you spend with them. And And I mean, we all get in our head Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, mindset's big and we, we have these conversations with ourselves all the time. I still, to this day, I've had, I had this moment last week. I think it was Tuesday. I had an interview with a guy about, uh, you know, strategies on business around fitness and stuff with fitness practitioners. And the guy was like in the business, he's been in the business for 15 years. He's, you know, he's certified personal trainer, physiotherapist. He's got like multiple successful businesses and that. And I, and I looked at his model and I was like, wow, like I almost got anxious because I'm not there yet. Like I'm still, I don't want to put the cart before the horse and be like, you know, I'm not done school yet. Like, I have to kind of do one thing at a time and try and fill my day with, you know, the important things, but I got to get the school stuff done as well. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where, you know, with this anxiety moment where I had this conversation with myself and I don't even know where it kind of came from, where I literally was like, what am I doing? Like, it was like almost that you had nothing to hang on to where I was like, what do you, what did you just do? You had this great career, like 
six months ago and it's gone. It's like you literally have like pigeonholed yourself and now you, you have to make this work and you have an exam in a week. And if you don't do well on the, on the exam, you're going to fail. And then you're a, then you're a fail. Like, yeah. And then you have this moment of where you're like, Oh my God, like relax. Right. It'll be fine. Yep. Uh, and anybody who's ever su- suffered with any sort of anxiety, mm-hmm. um, you, they know how debilitating it can be. Absolutely. Um, and I, I've, I'm better with it now, but I used to have it, you know, um, fairly regularly where I would go down this rabbit hole of like all the worst case scenarios. And the mm-hmm. thing is, we don't know what tomorrow brings. So how do we, mm-hmm. how do we formulate decisions that haven't even happened yet? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy to me. It's, you yeah, know, I still do that all the time. <laughs> we all do. And we all do to some degree. It's even like even getting, uh, you know, let's say, let's use podcasting, for instance, you know, I'm your guest today, and you've probably had to spend a little bit of time before we went live going, okay, what are the questions I'm going to ask them? And, you, you know, you may formulate these things in your head, how's this going to go? Is this going to go as well as I want it to? Is it going to, mm-hmm. how, you know, this, this person I have never met before, what's the, where are we going to go with the conversation? And I right. do the same thing. And I'm always, I'm already formulating the result before it even happens, like a day before it happens, like, oh, I got this great guest on tomorrow and I don't screw this up. Yeah. Make sure you ask like, and then the conversation goes in maybe a different direction or, or it gets better mm-hmm. or it is what it is. And then you're like, that was cool. I know. Like, yeah. Um, and that's, and I, so I don't get too hung up. I try not to, I try mm-hmm. and worry about it. Like, you know, like I'll do my research the best I can for that particular mm-hmm. guest opinion and what it is. And right. then just do it and then just have this more often than not, I get guests who are like, okay, what do you, what's the structure? I'm like, dude, just like pants on or pants off, like mm-hmm. how, however you want to do it. And just, let's just talk and we'll figure yeah. it out. Like just organically go through like we're doing, just go yeah. through the conversation and just uh, let it be what it'll be. Cause that's what people want to hear. People just want to yeah. hear conversation. They just, you know, that, you know, if, if it's something structured they want, then they'll go to a, more of a structured podcast but for me it's it's all about it's both feeling like they're part of that conversation or they can relate with that and I think that's yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no I completely agree that's when I started the podcast I I was looking at structures and stuff like that and I was like I don't want to do a structure I just want to have a conversation to where like it can open people's eyes and and you know, hopefully get them to see certain things from a different perspective than they might have already been, you know, looking at it from. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it, it's letting other people understand they're not alone, I think in, is, is yeah. big. And, and when you can, when someone can relate with you on, on something, you know, when someone's in their deepest, darkest moments uh, where maybe they don't understand how to get out of it and all of a sudden they're, like, hey, wait a minute. That person's like, that story is very familiar. Like, I, that's kind of mm-hmm. like me. Oh, they're doing okay. Okay. Right. And it gives them that positive light that they can get into that, that mindset as well and, and figure it out. And mm-hmm. there's nothing more powerful than that uh, in yeah. my eyes. No, I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for meeting with me again. I will let you go, um, but I look forward to maybe future conversations even um, and listening to your podcast as well. I would love that. Yes, that would be fantastic. Absolutely.
Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let me know uh, again. Let me know when when you air this or whatnot, and and I, I will it. definitely get this out to my audience as well. Wonderful. Um, it was a fabulous conversation. I'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of it for sure. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for opening up. It's it's really hard. I understand to talk about you know failed marriages or, or divorce in general. So, um, but yeah, I really. I th- yeah, I think vulnerability is your best suit of armor. And uh, when you can be vulnerable, again, you go back, it goes back to like, uh, you can't take anything from me because I've already given it all to you. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I think it, I think it is a bit of a superpower. So anybody listening, if you can be a bit vulnerable, um, you, you take some, some of those walls down and you, you build this set of armor, as I like to call it, where you, no one can take anything from you because you've given it all. And especially in internet land where right. these things end up, right? Yeah. Is, you know, you hit the record button and then you go and whether you publish it yourself or you have, you hire somebody to do it. Once that button gets hit and they hit publish, mm-hmm. um, it, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's fair game for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, if you go into my podcast, my intro, I think I even cry in it. I do. Um, and that's, that's vulnerability. I, you know, I sent that out there. I can't, you know, I've given that to the world. So, but no, that's great. Yeah. I think we could all use some more vulnerability in our lives for sure. And to know that, you know, vulnerability is not a weakness, especially because I think that that's, that's certainly how I was raised. Um, and I, you know, quite often will put a mask on, um, just to prevent myself from, being hurt is ultimately the goal there, you know, but, um, you know, I've learned in, as an adult that that's number one, not the best way to handle situations or life in general. And number two, it's, uh, it's just more comfortable to be vulnerable and, and get hurt in the meantime, like it's okay. It'll, you'll heal, you know? Yeah. Because you're staying true to you. And, uh, when you show the world who you are and you're not hiding behind this happy, perfect life. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's important too, is like, you know, life sometimes really sucks, you know, to, to, we can't be happy all the time. I mean, I have, I have stuff that comes up all the time. I deal with anxiety issues. I deal with, you know, parenting issues. I deal with, money issues, I deal with business issues, uh, relationship issues. You know, I have a a wonderful girlfriend now that, you know, we've been together just over a year. Um, And we're that so happy because we're both the same. We actually had the same journey. We're actually, our stories are very similar. Mm. Uh, Weight loss journey, everything. Yeah. Our our, our love languages are exactly the same. Quality time is so important. And it took me 40 years to get to that point. It, It, it's, um, but it was, it was only because of me working on me and getting to that point mm-hmm. before, Absolutely. you know, and, and understand that like work on you will ultimately give to those around you and not yep. the other way around. Absolutely. Yeah. When I went um, through college for my degree, I have a degree in business, but when I went through there, they made us take an ethics class and it was, that was a, a real big eye opener to me because, um, so there's an ethical theory around kind of, it's kind of about being selfish in some ways. Um, and I was not raised that way. My mom was a nurse and my dad raised me to be, you know, super 
super duper honest and kind and, and serve others basically pretty much all the time. Um, but there is an ethical theory around being selfish and how if you are quote unquote selfish, I mean, we've turned selfish into kind of a negative word, but um, taking this ethics class made me realize that, um, it, I mean, it's basically that if you can be selfish in that you do things that make you happy, for instance, like only care about what job you're going to hold that makes you happy, then it will in turn kind of ripple, have a ripple effect where it will serve others and make others happy at the same time. And I had never, ever thought about being selfish in that way to where if you just basically turn everything inwardly and do things for yourself, then it will have a ripple effect on everyone else that can be a positive thing. I had always thought of being selfish as, as a negative aspect, but. It's, it's like, you know, being in a classroom where, you know, the, the teacher's like, does anybody have any questions and nobody puts their hand up, but yet everybody in the room mm-hmm. want, it has the same question. Exactly. And the moment one person's like, yeah, how does that work again? The whole mm-hmm. classroom erupts going, yeah, yeah, we need to know more. And you're thinking, well, just a moment ago, nobody had, nobody had anything to say. Right. We're all like that. When, mm-hmm. when you show that vulnerability or you show that you can be selfish or you do certain you know, things a certain way, it, it almost like allows somebody the justification to do it themselves. Like, you know, I've, I've done some, you know, my, if you go over to my Instagram posts, I've got like, uh, I did this picture I, I was going to do as a podcast cover where, you know, I'm, I basically have a, a party hat covering a certain area of my body and the rest of me is naked in front of a microphone. And I did this <laughs> black and white picture and, and I have this silly look on my face and I hit post and yeah. Chrissy, who's my girlfriend, she calls me, she's like, what in the f- is that? I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, it's cool. I like the picture. Like, what do you think? She's like, you're nuts. And then she laughed and smiled. She's like, that is you. That is, that is you in everything. And it's like, so somebody else be like, Mike, like, did you just do that? I'm like, yeah, I just did that. Why? I'm like, because well, why not? Like, right. that's, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one that suffers the most is my son because some of his friends actually follow me. And I do weird, I'll put out these crazy pictures and, and they'll be like, uh, your dad is nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. sure. But that's cool. me. It right. is what it is. So have fun with it. And, and, and it allows others to kind of open up at the same, in the, in the same way. I, you see it all the time where some, something that some, you wouldn't expect somebody to do. They're mm-hmm. all of a sudden doing it because they've seen you do it. And, and they're just now more happy because of it like oh finally i got to i get to do that because i watched him do it and you know it feels good so yeah yeah, it's infectious it is i agree that's great yeah well thank you again i really appreciate it well i appreciate you having me on this was fantastic yeah Yeah, i appreciate you showing up and and being vulnerable with me thank you so much yeah well yeah absolutely You can listen to Mike's podcast, Fit Fun Father, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, or Anchor FM. And if you would like to get online coaching from Mike, you can email him at fitfunfather at gmail.com, visit his website at fitfunfather.com, or you can follow him on Instagram at fitfunfather. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to this right now. It will help me know that I am helping and need to keep going. 
Please also follow along on social media. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Teachable Soul or Facebook and LinkedIn. You can just search The Teachable Soul. If you'd like to be a guest on our show and share your own teachable moment, feel free to go to the website to schedule a time that works for you. Or you can also email me at theteachablesoul at gmail.com. Thanks.